Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everybody back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Derek, joined today by Rich, and I'm I'm happy that we have Rich in the studio today because you know I think one of the cool things about PHLY there's a lot of cool things, but one of the cool things is that we can sort of like be open fans about other teams more than we could maybe at the Athletic. And Rich and I both obviously grew up in Philadelphia. Um, I think we have trained ourselves not to be a fan so much of the Philadelphia 76ers. If they make a title run, you will not see videos of Rich and I reacting like Jamie was last night. But with the other three teams and the Phillies and Eagles pretty specifically, we get to be a little bit more fans than maybe we used to. And to be able to sit here, and Rich now is obviously writing about all four teams with the uh, daily newsletter. Go sign up, allphly.com. That is free. You don't have to be a subscriber for that. But Rich gets to write about all the teams. We both get to be maybe fans a little bit of the team. We were watching the game three here in studio the other day as we were preparing for our show. And it just, we get to be a little more open about the fact that, yes, we're from Philadelphia. We love sports and we happen to root for these teams. So it is good to have you in studio and talk about what was a, a pretty epic last two days here in South Philadelphia. And I know I, I, I joked on Twitter that we would only talk about the Phillies on this show. That's not true. We are a Sixers podcast. We will talk about the Sixers as well, but just a quick reaction to uh, to what we've seen. Amazing, right? And I, I don't think I've ever seen a Philadelphia sports team like these Phillies that, you know, pretty average regular season team, like not, yeah. not crazy good, but they're just gamers, man. And, uh, you know, watching them beat the Braves the second year in a row, watching the Braves just melt down. It really is. The Braves, 101 wins last year, 104 this year, lost in the divisional series both years in a, in a row. Watching another great regular season team fail in the playoffs and have all that angst that come with that and also be a longtime rival of the Phillies and at the hands of the Phillies, it's fantastic, man. I love that. Think about the Philadelphia-Atlanta sports relationship where, you know, when the Eagles win the Super Bowl, the Falcons really could have ended that. Nick Foles would not have been the uh, folk hero yep. if the Falcons had like a decent red zone offense and get the ball in from the one yard line. Um, the Phillies have just broken the Braves' hearts the last couple of years, and the Sixers lost to Trey Young. <laughs> yes, not not quite the same. We're trying to be optimistic here to start, though, Rich. We're going to talk about the Phillies just real briefly. Um, it is, just from a cast of characters, from the way Castellanos was struggling last year to the way Turner was struggling to start this year um, to the way he came up, I mean, both of them came up. He was Turner, the first uh, Philly player to have four hits in a postseason game in franchise history. They're a freaking old franchise. That's an amazing stat. Castellanos, the first uh, multi-homer games, two games in a row. For both of them to go from goat to hero or overpaid to hero, I mean, if you go back to July, 
there are people who want to undo the Trey Turner contract after a couple of months struggles. It shows, and I, I, we're going to sort of like try to loop this back into the Sixers. It does show that if you want to change a narrative, you just have to have those defining moments. You just have to have that. We're idiots. And by that, I don't mean me and Rich, although we can be idiots too. We're pretty stupid. But like we have to churn out, we are, but like I'm trying to save us. We have to churn out content every day. Sports Talk Radio has to churn out contact or con content every day. With that is going to come some quick takes. And I think Rich and I have tried to, throughout the course of our career, try to not do that, to avoid those trappings of, you know, just the constant con content machine. And I think people who have probably been longtime listeners realize we try very hard to do that. But it's inevitable. Like every now and then you get caught up in the moment. If you want to change that narrative, all you have to do is have defining moments in the playoffs and I've seen a lot of, you know, we had multiple conversations with the Sixers, with people uh, people at the Sixers. Oh, who cares if we keep losing in the second round? If we lost in the finals, it would be different. No, it freaking wouldn't. And this Phillies team is proof positive of that. They didn't win a World Series last year. There was no parade. But the fact that they had, like I said, signature moments that helped you relate to the players on the team. They've beaten good teams now, which Sixers have never done. This uh, like I've had some people with, um, you know, with, with with the team try to paint this as like why is Philly not appreciative of us? Fucking win! Like it's really not like win. Show emotion, achieve in big spots, overachieve against better teams. You've not beaten a better team. It's not rocket science. It's just not like beating the freaking Toronto Raptors without Kawhi is not going to be a signature defining moment. No, it's not. And I, I think you've hit on a good point here in that. Eugene in the chat, Cassie would have locked Tatum up. Absolutely. He doesn't drop 50 in that game. Absolutely. Well, Cassie would have had a short mem memory if Tatum, you know, hit a couple right. threes on him. He would have just kept going. Uh, I, the way he turned the tide, two, two straight games with those bombs. Like both of those games, you went, oh, no. Braves jumped out to a big lead, or not a big lead, an early lead. They have that monster offense, and he just immediately answered. It was well, amazing. I also, I get two dingers off of Elder, like kind of. Or I guess the second one was against the reliever, but um, you know, kind of a, a soft throwing righty to hit the ball out of the ballpark on uh, on Spencer Strider twice. Like that's, I think it was the first 100 mile per hour fastball that has ever gone out against Spencer Strider. It was kind of a remarkable performance. Uh, Eric in the uh, chat said that the Phillies are the MLB Heat. I agree with this. I have privately made this take for a long time. Free shirt idea for anybody. A Phillies culture shirt yes. uh, needs to go out there. But it, uh, you're absolutely right, man. And I think the, you know, the way we started the process, which you know was championship or bust, right? The mm -hmm. goal is, you know, if you're not first, you're last, and you know you're bottoming out to try and win a championship, and that is true. But over the past couple of years, I think we have learned that it's not necessarily championship or bust. That there are degrees of losing and the Phillies again they have not won a title yet but they have had big moments right. against great teams and the Sixers just have not done that and I really felt like how the Sixers lost to Boston it, it was almost like yeah a, a second round exit would have been bad if they lost another Kawhi Toronto game to, to Boston in game seven I'm sorry I think differently about this team than, than them just going out completely sorry and you know Joel after the game basically says you know who cares about the second round? We didn't win the championship. It's it's the same thing. No, man, it's it's not actually. You you need to advance. You need to beat a good team. 
And it's like you said, we, we've always said this about Joel. He's done so many good things. You just got to do it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, look, go back to midway through last year, right? Phillies had missed the playoffs for a decade, spent a whole bunch of money. And what were they? Like at, at one point last year, they were a 500. When they fired Girardi, what was the record? Like right around 500. That's not going to get it done. Like that was a huge disappointment. These are teams that had multiple September collapses. Now, obviously, a lot of the players changed, but some of the core was still there. They rewrote the narrative as hard as you can rewrite the narrative. They, they went from chokers. And if you look back at Bryce's Washington career, there wasn't a belief that he could get it done in the playoffs. They went from underachievers and chokers who couldn't build a team and couldn't stop stepping on their own feet to maybe the best playoff performers we can remember. The Like you said, the Miami culture, Philadelphia Phillies, heat culture, Philadelphia Phillies, in the span of 15 months? You just need moments that captivate a fan base and overachieve in the biggest moments. And that's not going to happen every year. It's not going to happen for the Phillies team every year. That's going to happen. It needs to happen once or twice over the span of a career. And it just hasn't happened yet. And you can tell me, oh, second round is the same as losing in the finals. No, because getting the finals, you have to beat a good freaking team. Like you can't beat the Washington with the sub 500 or right at 500 Washington Wizards. You have to beat a good team. You need a moment. Um, Randy in the chat saying that the Sixers... They lost game six. That's when they lost the series. Completely agree. But that's also the moment that the Sixers could have seized, you know? And after that game, Joel's like, yeah, the ball didn't find me afterwards. And that's just also maddening. Like, at some point, you just have to seize that moment. And as much as we can talk about the X's and O's and who's guarding who, rotations, all of those things, bro, you just have to do it. You just have to win yeah. in a big spot. It's not, this isn't rocket science. And it's unbelievable that the Sixers have had this many chances and they have never had one of those moments. So Nolan in the chat asking, weren't the Phillies 10 under at one point last year? I just checked. It looks like the low watermark was eight under on May 31st. From what I can tell, I might be missing. But Joe Girardi was their manager, so yeah. that doesn't count. <laughs> right, right. Well, and six or seven new coach. We'll see. We'll see. Um, no, it, it is the last couple of days have been fantastic. I really want to try to get down to Citizens Bank Park. And it really is like the best, you know, home field advantage in baseball. Um, and it seems like the players feed off of that a little bit. It's an absolutely amazing atmosphere. And even last night, and look, there were some tight moments last night. Oof. Like walking the bases loaded right down to the final pitch of the of the ninth inning. Like there were some real tight moments. That's a game, you know, playoff baseball is so different than playoff basketball. Whereas, you know, game seven against Celtics, like you could feel that tide building and building and building. And the next thing you know, it was just completely out of control. Baseball, like you were one pitch away from that game changing on a dime. It reminds me a lot of soccer or hockey in that regard. I'm not a biggest fan of those two sports, but I get the tension, especially because my, my brother is a real big hockey fan. But you can feel the tension that the game can shift at any moment. Baseball is a lot like that. And it is it is just a wild moment. And again, to see them come through like that, I mean, the pitching performances that you've had, like a lot, there's going to be a lot of focus on the offense and the historic historic um, accomplishments from, like we said, Castellanos and Turner and what Harper's doing. Nola's game, the bullpen. I mean, what did the bullpen give? Like a sub-two ERA to the best offense uh, in the league. It, it's been an unbelievable performance up and down. And even, even Topper, like you gave him a little grief last night about some of his decisions. They've worked out. You don't know whether or not that is makes them the right decisions or whether the players just rose to the moment. But they've pulled all the right buttons, and it's been fun to watch. It's a lot of fun. I am going to game two. Okay, good for you. Very excited about that. I have not been to a playoff game. You got a spare game. ticket? 
I don't. Okay. Uh, I'd know. ask. I'd ask. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Phillies are just. You can tell we've been colleagues for a long time, but clearly not friends. A friend would have a spare ticket. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're just gamers. And I, I guess to bring it back to the Sixers, like, I just want this fan base to have one of these playoff runs, you know? Like, I just want to see, even though we are not rooting for the team in the you know, same way we are rooting for the Phillies, like, I just want to see the fans actually happy. Yeah. Just not have this happen to them every single time. And, like, again, we might have had the fandom beaten out of us because we had to be in order to be successful journalists, especially with where we were. But I have, I mean, my brother's a huge basketball fan. I've got a lot of fans right here in the chat. I know a lot of people that love Sixers basketball. I like to see my friends happy. I I like to see my friends happy. And oh, by the way, there's probably more you watching our show if you're happy too. So like, yes, we would like them to to win. It's a little different, but it has been, uh, you know, I've said this before, but like my last true, like unencumbered fandom was that 2007 to 2011 Phillies run. And for them to kind of like rekindle that and respark that, um, it's been it's been really fun to watch. I I think too, if you look at this Phillies team, like I, I made the joke about Phillies culture before, but they they certainly have a core group of players who really like playing with each other, who clearly have short memories, um, who love celebrating with each other, and like can the Sixers take a ton from that? No, it's it's kind of hard to replicate. I would say. The, the issue right now is that James Harden is here and there's no way to replicate that right. culture. But, you know, I, I think the hope is that you do it with Joel and Tyrese at some point, right? You get them, you get them as your ten pole stars and you just try and build that way. But yep. the Sixers are a uh, a long way away from that and they're probably a James Harden trade away from that. We've culture. got Rick up there in the chat offering me a game one ticket. Clearly a better friend than the guy that I've worked with for a decade. Oh, come but on. I'm, I apologize, Rick. I appreciate the offer very much. I cannot Rick, Rick, Rick said he a, may uh, have a spare I, <laughs> You said you didn't, so I like Rick more than you. Uh, but no, I will not. Uh, I, I cannot take you up on that in good conscience. But I appreciate the offer very much. Uh, all right. So I think you know we're going to have a little bit more on maybe that Phillies-Sixers connection but before that, a couple a word from a couple of our sponsors. First, I want to tell you about Soul Savvy. Now, look, I am not the biggest sneakerhead in the group. That is clearly Kyle, but I'm always looking for good deals on shoes. And Soul Savvy has been around since 2018, and their mission has always stayed the same. Get sneakers into the hands of people who love them most. Soul Savvy is a sneaker community that operates in Canada, the United States, and the UK. It has three basic membership levels. Basic, which is free, mobile plus $12, and premium at $33. And the premium membership includes mobile plus features. Uh, For the casual sneaker buyer, you can sign up for the basic plan and gain access to their one-of-a-kind marketplace built for you, not for resellers. Well, mobile plus is for the sneakerhead who is always on the go. You can build a rotation of sold-out sneakers straight from your phone. Premium you get is a sneakerhead who is tired of paying resale. Find your grails and grow your collection in the world's biggest paid sneaker community. Once again, head on over to... um, Hold on. One second. I lost. Smooth, man. I I completely lost. All right. My apologies for soul savvy. Um. So hold on, hold on. I'm not good. Sign up for Soul Savvy by visiting soulsavvy.com slash allcity or by downloading the drop or by downloading the drops by Soul Savvy app. Once again, sign up for Soul Savvy by visiting soulsavvy.com slash allcity or downloading the drops by Soul Savvy app. 
Uh, all right, and then one more, hold on, from DraftKings. Uh, and DraftKings, again, there's a lot going on with baseball, a lot to really talk about. Things are heating up in the ballpark. Quite literally, we saw that last night. Every team is playing to finish the season strong and make it to the playoffs. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment of the baseball action. New customers can score $2,000 instantly, or I'm sorry, uh, can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. String together multiple bets from a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner of Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Um, so yeah, I, look, I guess my only real suggestion for the Sixers is like, it's really like if you want to win the fans over, just just win. Like it's not nearly as complicated as make it out to be. Yep. Uh, so we did get the, the beauty of doing live YouTube here is we do get some uh, some additional content at times. And if you look, Kyle just put up a video. James Harden speaking at practice. Speaking at practice. And from Kyle, I, I'm not watching the whole video. Obviously, we're, we're doing the podcast, but Kyle uh, put it up. When I got traded here, my whole thing was I wanted to retire a Sixer. This is James Harden talking. I wanted to be here and retire a Sixer. And the front office didn't have that in their future plans. Um, Noah Levick from NBC Sports, he tweeted that uh, Harden said the uh, the relationship between him and the front office is beyond repair. Yep. So, you know, I, th- I think pretty honest stuff there from James where he's... Uh, you know, he's not mincing words here. He's clearly still very unhappy with the front office. Noah Levick also pointed out that Harden said he's still ramping up and intends to play in the preseason finale and beyond that. So we'll have to take a so look at those comments. that would be comments. next Friday, a week from today? That would be next Friday. And in general, beyond that, I'm assuming that means in Milwaukee in a couple weeks? Yeah. I guess. Look, I, I don't think anybody really knows. Um it seems like he's going to play because he believes that playing and playing well is maybe the best way for him to get traded, but it could change in hour to hour. You know, and he also said Harden in terms of the situation, it was mostly that it was just about losing trust in someone. Um, You know, you lose trust in someone, you know what I mean? It's pretty simple. He compared it to a marriage. Look, I still, there's still a part of me that thinks that if there's a GM that's going to give him a good contract, it might be Daryl Morey. Like he might, if you're talking about being pragmatic, it might be uh, for his benefit to look, uh, look, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it just goes to show. It's so weird that he's, you know, like going through hard workouts after practice when he clearly doesn't want to be here. And 
You know, I know Maxi. Did you see him on uh, on JJ's podcast? I have not listened to that yet. No, I, I definitely saw the clip, and Maxi was basically saying, you know, for these core guys, you know, me, Joel, Tobias, uh, Danny Green, who came back, he's like, you know, this is like the second time we've done this, so right. it's it's kind of normal for us or whatever. But I'm just watching, just like even if it's not weird and Harden is being um, quote unquote professional and you know, at least giving a decent effort during practice, even though he's not happy. I, I still just think the thing is so freaking weird. You know? Yeah. Everything about it is weird. Everything. And, and like the fact that this broke down between these two people is weird. The fact that James reacted so emotionally to it is so weird. The fact that he opted in, you know, he, I, I don't even really to this point know entirely why he opted in. Uh, and the fact that this can't be mended, like there have been worse things that have happened than a GM, you know, not communicating with a player leading up to free agency because he wanted to, you know, leverage him into a better contract. Like this is not the biggest breach of trust in the world, but Harden views it as that. It's the whole thing is weird. Whole thing is weird. Um, all right. So do we have any more th quick thoughts on Harden? Because I'm not really sure that too much of that changes too much of where we're at other than him confirming basically that this can't be repaired. And again, could like two months, could his opinion change? Maybe. He sort of has to present it as this can't be repaired if he wants to be traded and we know he still wants to be traded. So that's sort of like what you would expect him to say. Um, but it is interesting that he addressed the media. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wonder if he's, he's starting to normalize relations with the, uh, with the Sixers here where he's going to be unhappy, but he's going to do media. He's going to play in some games yeah. and he realizes, okay, maybe I'm not going to get out of here that fast. And it's like, you know, I see in the chat, like, well, who cares what he says? It's, it's like, you're right. If he does play, that's all that really matters. And, you know, he can be as cold as he wants. Like he could average 20 and 10. And after every game, he could just be like, yep, still don't like Daryl Morey. I don't know why I'm doing here. Trade yeah. me. Um, that would be okay. But I do think what he says can sometimes be an indicator of what he's actually going to do in terms of uh, playing and effort and those things. And, you know, I, I think we said it the other night, it's just like, we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. You know, it's like, it's very much a day-to-day -day thing at this point. Yep. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. So in terms of the Phillies Sixers, I'm not sure I necessarily have too much more to go on there. There was a report from ESPN, um, basically that the Clippers are looking to um, you know flip their 2028 unprotected first round pick for multiple picks um, and seeing whether or not that can entice the these Sixers. I guess what was sort of like your overall read on that? My read on that is that they're just spinning their wheels right now. Where you know the, the Clippers, they are you know Woj is getting this information and I'm I'm sure it's true. You know he's kind of uh, he's kind of the person that teams sometimes negotiate through and. I think the, the Clippers, when, when they say, okay, we're only willing to give up that one unprotected first-round pick, I, I find it a little hard to believe they will go to another team, use only that pick, and get something that Daryl Morey wants more. Yeah. You know, Especially when it's like, maybe they can get two kind of protected picks instead of that one valuable unprotected pick. I, basically, I don't think they're making any progress, is my point with that. Right. It's just like... Are you going to add more stuff? Because it seems like that is Daryl's negotiating point right now. And, you know, I, I think that as much as they can shop that pick around the league and then go back to the Sixers, do you want this? Would this interest you? I think the answer to that is probably going to be no for the most part. And, yeah. you know, we're, we're at a point right now where everybody's undefeated. Um, 
whatever type of start the Clippers have that will uh, entice them to get James Harden, it has not happened yet. And uh, yeah, so I, I think like right now they're kind of negotiating, seeing if they can buy low for Harden or just hold to their price, which I don't, I don't blame them doing. But I also don't see a lot of progress being made because we know yeah. Daryl's going to ask for a lot. And look, there's no real reason for the Clippers to put everything they can into a trade offer right now. There's one team bidding for James Harden. You don't bid against yourself. It's the, you know, negotiating one-on-one. The Sixers just do not have the leverage to get two unprotected pick, unprotected Clippers picks and Terrence Mann. They just don't have the leverage right now to do it. So Clippers are like, look, one unprotected pick from us isn't good enough for you. Let's see if we can flip that and maybe a pick swap into two picks. And is, you know, I've, I've seen some people compare this, like basically, um, you know, trading two dimes and a nickel for a quarter, or trading a quarter for two dimes and a nickel. It's not quite the same because with these picks, different GMs can value them differently. Like nobody's has differing values of a dime. That's just not how currency works. That's the whole point of currency. But GMs might have differing values of, you know, basically how much you're willing to short uh, the Clippers' future. They might project that differently. Some might look at it and say, well, Kawhi's old and PG's old and Harden's old. So yeah, let's that pick has, in 28-28 has a lot of value because they could fall off a cliff. Others will say, well, Los Angeles usually doesn't fall off a cliff because if they have cap space, there will be somebody that wants to go there either because they're going home or because they love the climate or the business opportunities or they just want to play in LA. So I don't believe that you're actually going to bottom out I don't value that pick, both because it's not going to bottom out and also because it's, you know, five years into the future. So there's people who will have different evaluations of all that. Clippers are basically saying like, all right, look, Daryl is saying that he doesn't believe that that, that pick will have a lot of trade value in the future. Let's try to flip these, find a team that is willing to short our future um, so he can get more picks back and he will value that more. Is that going to happen? I, I don't truthfully know. Uh, it still seems a little unlikely that there's going to be a team that's going to have a, such a drastic... Because again, Daryl's not... He's not tr- making that projection that I don't value that Clippers pick too much for himself. He's not making that draft pick in 2028. He doesn't really care how good that pick is going to be. He cares about how the league projects that pick is going to be. So unless you find like one team that just drastically overvalues that pick or has a different valuation of that pick... It seems surprising to me whether or not this would actually end up working out. You know, I've seen some people say, like, are they actually trying to do this? No, I think the Clippers are actually trying to make this happen um, because I think they want to get this deal done, but they don't want to give up any more of their assets. And by that, I mean that 2030 pick and and man. Um, but I just, it, it would be surprising to me if it happens in the next week or even month. One of the other bargaining chips that the Clippers have is uh, they could go after somebody else, too. And uh, Woj has mentioned, uh, he reported this, I, I think the Clippers' view of it is we prefer James Harden. We're willing to offer more for James Harden, but Malcolm Brogdon does loom as right. kind of a pivot point. I, I will say, like, comparing those two players and what the Clippers need, James Harden is a way better fit there. Yeah. I, like, Malcolm Brogdon, the, the Clippers' issue is that they need more of a pure point guard. They need a little bit more of a passer, get them into their offense. And Malcolm Brogdon is not that guy. Yeah, no, I agree. And the, the report says that they value Harden more than Brogdon, so that, that, that tracks. But if they get to the point where it's like, all right, Daryl's not willing to negotiate. He's not willing to, you know, come down on his asking price. We want to get a point guard in here sooner rather than later. We feel like Daryl's going to, you know, drag his feet until the trade deadline. They might, that's a potential pivot point. Um, 
but it probably wouldn't happen soon. I think they do have their heart set on uh, on Harden. Here's a good question in the chat from a two-minute warning. Do you think the Clips need Harden more, or do you think it's okay if we don't trade him because he will just come off the cap? And that's kind of like, that's something I've wondered about a little bit. What What is Maury's ideal scenario here? Is it a Harden trade or for him to play hard the entire year? Because... Yeah, if he plays hard, I think his preference is to play hard the entire year. Play hard the yeah. entire year because the cap space will be kind of the asset that uh, that we'll use next summer. Is that how he views it? Because it's just like I think he would even prefer to have Harden here. Like I think if if so, if Harden gets to the point where he's he, on this team before the trade dead, or after the trade deadline, he has two options. He can go completely nuclear and just lose his mind. It's in play. <laughs> but at that point, he can't be traded, and the Sixers are the only team that have his bird rights. So the only way he could then get paid is if they sign and trade deal next offseason. And if you remember back to the CBA, there's like acquiring a player in a sign and trade could subject you to that hard cap. So his trade market's going to be lower. His, his earning potential is probably going to be lower. If he's on his team after the trade deadline, there's a very real scenario where his best chance to get a, a sizable payday is still with the Sixers. Now, does he then come back to the table? Does he? you know, throw a, basically a tantrum. I have no idea, but I think Daryl would look at it and say, look, if we can get James to play hard all season, that's the best outcome. I just don't know if you can trust him to do that. If you keep him on the roster after the trade deadline. You're scaring everybody though, uh-huh. by, by mentioning James Harden being here past this year. Yeah. Well, look, I think Daryl would do it. And especially like, if you look at some of the free agents, all right, true holiday was a potential person they could assign, you expect he's going to stay in Boston. Uh, PG and Kawhi, they're the two big names, but if the, the Clippers trade for James Harden, well, you, you figure they're probably... I'm The thought of them leaving LA is still wild to me. Like, they really want to be there. I can't imagine that happening, but who knows? They also could be bad in a couple of years. They, oh, they could definitely be bad. Both those guys can be hurt, and they could be... So, I mean, that 2028 pick is... That's not nothing, I don't think. I Look, and I understand... L.A. is a draw. Steve Ballmer is the richest guy in the NBA. I, I think even though this uh, this new uh, CBA has kind of been built to to stop the high-spending teams like the Clippers, I, I get all that stuff. They could just be bad, though. At, at some could. point, like, when you have two old guys who don't play, like, I, I could definitely see a season. Yeah, no, I, I prefer, I, I mean, I prefer guys in their prime who do play, but old guys who don't play, that's, that's particularly bad. That's pretty bad. All right. Let's, I think we're going to try to get Kyle up here on a report from uh, the training facility. Before that, a quick word from another one of our sponsors, and hopefully this one goes a tiny bit better. This one with game time. And again, Rich mentioned he has tickets to game two. I would love to try to get in on that. If you're going to do that, you really want to be able to see the seat that you're buying because, quite frankly, you're going to be spending a small fortune. I looked right now. It's only, I think, the cheapest tickets are about 360 bucks on the game time app. That's way less than I was expecting. I would guess that as we get closer to the event, that's going to go up. You want to know what you're buying, and game time is the place to do that. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute tickets. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section 
and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem and use the redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, uh, I think we have Kyle here ready to go. What's up, fellas? You hear me? Get an update from Kyle here on the whole Harden saga. You spoke to Harden today at practice. What was your overall takeaway? Can't hear anybody. You guys hear me now? Yeah, yep, I think I got unmuted you. by whoever's producing over there. Uh, it was a little bit chaotic, as you might expect. I got a tip slightly before practice that this might happen and that there are some people maybe around the league at the league level expecting James to talk. And I don't know that we got a ton of additional clarity, but I would say the thing, the headline for me coming out of it is that James was definitive in saying this will not be repaired between him and Daryl, that the trust is not coming back and he might end up playing for the team just because that's the best thing for him to do in terms of staying in shape and supporting his teammates and what have you. But this does not sound like a partnership that is going to last too much longer. And I think he is talking and acting like a guy who's counting down the days until he moves on. So I guess like my thing is in order to be traded, that's sort of the stance he has to take is that this cannot be repaired. You were there. You got to hear the inflection in his voice. Uh, You got to see his body language. How do do you believe he is out, out, out? Yeah. I mean, I, he definitively said, no, it can't be repaired. He said he, he's going to do everything he can do in order to play for the team or in order to be ready to play basketball. I should say that he's still committed to his craft. We saw him go through probably 25 to 30 minutes of post-practice workouts today. As we've noted on the show several times, looks to be in very good shape, but you know, the overarching theme was that he feels betrayed by someone he had a decade long relationship with came out and said, look, like I wanted, when I came to Philadelphia, I wanted to retire a sixer and the front office did not have that in their plans. Uh, I did also ask him specifically if there are people beyond Daryl that he has an issue with right now and didn't really indicate that there's anyone else that he has a problem with. So, I mean, read into that what you want, that this could just be the the two man (laughs) two-man conflict and the broken trust conflict between the two of them. But he is, it seems to be heard enough by how this has been handled and had said things along the lines of, I got to do what's best for my family, which I think you, of the three of us would all agree, that's an indication that he's going for as much money and as many years as he can possibly get, which we all kind of assumed already. But yeah, I, I just, it was not a, it was good clarity, but it was not a positive update in terms of what the Sixers, I think, were hoping for, which is this guy's can be bought in and maybe they can mend the fences eventually. He does not sound like a guy who's mending the fences.
I can't hear you guys now, by the way. Oh, uh, can you hear us now? Yes. Okay. Um, doesn't matter. I was just being snarky anyway. So was there a date set on when he might play? Uh, we, we heard Friday there's a possibility. I mean, he could play Monday. He, he used the words ramp up again, which we've heard that Derek and I certainly throughout training camp in Colorado heard, yeah, he's ramping up, he's ramping up, he's ramping up. Nick Nurse was asked about this, and James certainly was asked about it during his availability. That This is a day-by-day process is the thing that we continue to hear. So some of that might be physical. I think some of it is just what does he legally have to do in order right. to avoid fines? I think a big part of why he spoke today, honestly, is that if he didn't, there was some maybe some pressure at the league level that this might be time to get some punishment for that. So I think some of this is going to depend on the guidance that James and his representation are getting from people at the league level and certainly whatever they're hearing from the Sixers. So I would not rule out Monday's game against Brooklyn, but it, it, as you guys know, this could change in an hour, let alone a day from now. So a little less important than the Harden news, but was there any update on House or Korkmaz? No, it sounded like both could maybe play on Monday. Obviously, wouldn't be as big a deal as you point out as Embiid or James suiting up. But yeah, it sounds like they're both progressing. I think the words they've been using or the language they've been using for house is that it's all precautionary. It's more of a tendonitis thing. And since it's the preseason, they're not going to push him basically at all. I think they were expecting more from FERC today, at least based on what they had said yesterday but that he might be back in the mix tomorrow, and then we'll see where he's at Sunday, Monday. And Joe? Any word on it? Joe, we didn't even get to, because once the, once, the hard, right. once the Harden stuff you know, became the center of the day, somehow you forget the seven-foot MVP guy <laughs> who's, who's there. And so it was a little chaotic today, to say the least, but the headline would be, James Harden is still not happy, still isn't talking to Daryl Morey, and this could be as volatile as he wants it to be, but I would say, based on talking to him, it was a very candid, he talked to us for six or seven minutes, I was expecting maybe, you know, you guys have done James Harden media availabilities, most of the time it's two minutes and out, he's pretty blunt and straight and to the point, and so for him to be that open about it and talk for that long, I thought was pretty significant. So I think he got his message across and now it's left for Daryl Morey and the executives out in LA and maybe some other teams to figure out if they can put together a trade for this guy. Now, I'm curious, um, you know, I've read some of the quotes, but you're talking to Nick Nurse every day. How do you think he yeah. is handling this? How is he approaching kind of this weird kind of state of flux where he has a guy who by all accounts, is practicing and, you know, ramping up the, the biggest ramp you, you've ever seen, um, but also clearly doesn't want to play for his team. Yeah, so here's the weird thing about all of this, and this actually came up during James's avail. He seems to be a pretty big Nick Nurse fan. I know that they met over the summer, and I think they met prior to – free agency and the trade requests and all that even happening, that there were some conversations between the two. He called him a, a really smart, versatile coach today and said that, you know, there have been no issues with him. So I think 
based on what's happening on the practice floor, I mean, Tyrese actually just talked about this on an interview he did with J.J. Redick this week. He said not only is James playing hard from, like, an individual perspective, but he's going up to, you know, guys like Ricky Council, two-way players, and saying this is where you need to be for this play or, you know, this defensive setup or whatever it is. And so I don't think Nick has any issues with him as it stands right now. Now it has made him essentially have two different plans for the season, you know, one with James, one without him. He was asked a question today to the effect of, do you know what your rotation looks like? And he almost just laughed at it. Like, I mean, of course not. You can't really know what your rotation is going to be when one of the biggest pieces of the team is completely in flux and all that. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there are any problems that James is causing for Nick. So I think he has embraced having him for as much as he has him. But the question is just, will he ever be playing for him in a game rather than just, yeah, he's on the practice floor, but he's going to stand, he's going to hold out as long as possible. Yeah. All right, man. Well, keep on, uh, keep on covering that team. Good luck with, uh, with the, <laughs> it sounds like never a yeah, dull moment some- with the squad some transcribing ahead and obviously we'll have something on this on all phly.com in a little bit. So I'll leave the rest of it to you to catch you guys later. Sounds good. It's freaking team, man. It's never, never boring, never straightforward, never boring, never normal, never. He, he again referenced the maxi on the, the JJ podcast. The, the other part of that clip that was funny, it was maxi said, you know, I wasn't exactly expecting, you know, James to actually, play kind of hard and practice and do stuff. And JJ stopped him and he's like, well, you didn't expect it because last time it was Ben who was practicing with the cell phone in his pocket and getting kicked out of practice. So yes, if that was your prior expectation. Which is funny that that JJ said that because Ben went on the JJ Reddick podcast and explained that it wasn't a cell phone in his pocket and apparently JJ didn't believe him. Wasn't a very convincing story, I guess. Uh, no, look, I, it's it's, and also because the last time James Harden, the last two times James Harden has asked out, he hasn't practiced or played hard. Like this is a different script. I think it might be a little bit of an acknowledgement, a, a small one, that the market isn't as wide and as strong as it used to be for him, and he's got to actually like prove to people that he's worth investing in. It's Harden is such a funny one because, on the one hand, like obviously his off-court habits have not been perfect. In his career. That's a little, little bit of understatement probably, yep. but also, you know, it, it clearly has not affected him, you know, reaching the highest levels of basketball, not a championship, but obviously individually about as good as you can get yep. winning an MVP, you know, a couple scoring titles. I believe he loves playing basketball and not, I, I get it. He loves playing it in his James ball type of sure. way, but in terms of like, getting better individually, he's as good as it gets. Oh, yeah. And that is the big difference between him and Simmons. I don't think Ben likes playing basketball. You don't get as skilled as James Harden did without working hard. But it's a little bit like Allen Iverson. It's a little bit like Joel Embiid. Where, yeah, you like the parts that you like, and you don't necessarily focus on all, like you're not a complete stickler for details of perfect diet, of perfect off-court sleep and you know rehabilitation habits, of, of perfect cardio habits and keeping yourself in the best possible shape you can. If you could mix their interest and love of skill development with maybe like LeBron's attention to detail, I don't think we would be having the same conversation about James Harden, but 
Each person is a unique person, I suppose. Well, he he would have gotten paid a big contract if he had yeah. LeBron's attention to detail on yeah. some of those. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of shame. Like these are the kind of players who like they're good enough, and like you mentioned, I think they do care about the game, but they maybe just especially when you get to the top of the top of the top, or when you talk about aging gracefully into your mid thirties, that attention to detail becomes just a little bit more important, and it's you can get to a a certain level without having it because you are great and talented and love the game. But it's just, I, I think some people maybe realize that a little too late in their career. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right, uh, let's get to, we had a couple of mailbag questions here that we will get to in a bit. But before that, a quick word from FOCO, which again, you're going to want all kinds of knickknacks, of souvenir, of gear uh, that you're going to want to have for this Phillies run. Go check out FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise. The product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And with it being football and tailgating season, not to mention the Phillies run, means overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game FOCO has. FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY for 10% off. So we had a couple of mailbag questions here. Uh, let me pull them up real quick. Let's yep. uh, let's plug those Attaboy shirts. That uh, well, I was, I was actually going to do that. We had a question about the Phillies in there, but yes, we have a, a fantastic new Attaboy uh, T-shirt up at phlylocker.com. If you're watching on video, it is now up on the screen. Just a, a truly iconic moment that came out of I don't want to say nowhere because where it came out of has been very heavily debated. For actually, we had a, a pretty good debate. Oh, We'll finish off the attaboy. Go to phlylocker.com. Get the attaboy t-shirt. It's in reference to um, Orlando Arcia, um, you know, basically celebrating the clubhouse saying attaboy Harper as they got doubled off uh, to end game three or game two there. Um, and then Bryce just completely staring him down, which is one of the most iconic photos and iconic moments we've had here in quite some time. Fantastic shirt. I love it in the powder blue. I was wearing a powder blue hat. Yesterday, today, I've got my 2008 World Series championship hat on. I may put in cart before a horse, but I'm getting a little excited. But again, phlylocker.com, fantastic shirt. I've ordered one myself with my own money, by the way, not a not an employee gift. So great shirt. Pretty good. Uh, yeah, and thank you to Jake Mintz and Orlando Arcia for giving us that uh, Yep. That moment. So here, uh, we, Kyle and I talked about this. There's been a lot of debate over whether or not that should have been reported. And again, this is something that Arcia was screaming in the locker room multiple times while uh, uh, reporters were allowed in the locker room. And there has been a sanctity of the locker room debate. That is such a Braves thing. <laughs> but would you have reported that? I might not have reported it, but I don't think it's um, that that's kind of a, a me thing. Like the, the idea that that got reported to me, that it's fair game, man. Yeah. Like I think, look, it, when you go into a locker room, there are a lot of off-the-record conversations where yes. wh whether you are talking to a player or two players are talking to each other, there's a lot of things where you might hear it and I'd say, you know what, that's that's not for publication. Right. Like it, if a player is going through a slump and he's talking to another player about like how it's impacting him or like the, the mental stress it's putting on him, maybe there's something in his personal life that's contributing it, you just go, all right, that's not, I'm not reporting that unless he wants it out there. If a guy's screaming it multiple times when reporters are in the room, that's like the equivalent of a hot mic. It's not even a hot mic because you know that mic is on. You can't get mad that the mic picked. Like if I say some 
dumbass comment right now. I can't get mad. I know there's a mic here. I know it's broadcasting live right now. I, I understand the concept of microphones. Reporters are in there for a very small amount of time. Like, what do we get after a game? 15 minutes in the locker room, maybe 20. If you want to celebrate and say stuff that could be bolts and more board material, don't say it in that 15 or 20 minutes. Don't don't scream it too. If yeah. you were screaming it, you are playing with fire in a way that just it's just really stupid. And you know, that's when I knew the Phillies had the Braves. When the, when the Braves are getting mad about well, the media. Did you like, see Arcia last last night responding to the fans? Yeah. He he lost. He lost his cool. And I mean, look, that series was about a lot of things. Obviously, the Phillies did a great job. The Braves melted down. That was like as weak of a mental series as I have ever seen. They're yelling about the clubhouse. They're yelling about the media. They're complaining about the format being unfair. Like, just play better. Just beat the Phillies. And they they couldn't do it. So, uh, no, I think that was fair game. And I appreciate Jake Mintz for reporting that because we have these great shirts on PHLYLocker.com. Yep. And by the way, the two reporters that reported it, Fox Sports and the Washington Post. Like, I know there's been some talk like, oh, these are fans with... No, these are professional Big J journalists. Like, stop. Stop. All right, let's get to the mailbag here. This one from Ross Cohen. He says that he had hoped that with a new coach that perhaps Furkan might get a look as a semi-useful rotation piece. Basically, he's asking whether or not we think Furk will get uh, significant minutes or useful minutes or whether he is destined for garbage time. I think he's destined for garbage time. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, now that being said, like they are, if James Harden ends up not like holding out and they're short on wings, if enough things change, will he have moments in the season where he's getting useful minutes? Probably. But like as a game one to game 82, no, nah, I guess he's probably on the outside of the rotation. I've mentioned how much I enjoy Point Ferk, Ferk, even if Ferk. Uh, even if it's not something you want a championship team to have uh, him be the backup point guard. Ferk's got to make threes, obviously. Like, and look, there could be a couple games in there where he gets hot and they uh, they use him. Do we get a, uh, a Ferk trade request, though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he'll mention it once and then he'll never bring it up again. So who knows? We might. We might. I would guess probably. Is he on the, he's on the last year of a deal, right? He's yeah. on the last year of a contract. I would guess. I mean, that, that would increase the chances of it, right? Because he wants a chance to show himself before he can uh, get out there and get his next contract. I would. I, I feel like... Once you've done it twice publicly, like you kind of have to be resign yourself to the fact that you're not good enough for a trade request. <laughs> I feel like that might be where we're at, but who knows? Who knows? Could be a could be. A, look, like I said, I enjoy watching Ferk play from the big shoes to the bright shoes to the completely unnecessary behind the back passes to the fact that he will have one game, you know, every other week or so where he just gets unconscionably hot and uh, gives you a chance. He's fun to watch. He drives me insane because, like, you know, defense. But he's fun to watch, uh, but I don't think he's going to be on the, uh, he, especially even with like Danny Green looking like, you know, if Danny Green took four steps back last year, he might have gotten two of them back. Now, in the aggregate, he's still a couple steps behind where he was the last time he played for the Sixers, but I think he's looked better than I expected. I, I trust him to stand in the right spot on defense right. more than Ferk. Right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. All right. Next one here from Stuart London. He's basically just asking when we think uh, the Harden drama finally ends. And we sort of touched on this. Didn't spend too much time earlier talking about it. But do you feel like this is something that could be done by the time the regular season starts? By the time, or is this waiting till, I won't say a trade deadline, but after December 15th when like a quarter of the league becomes eligible to be traded? My, my guess is it'll take longer, but you know, you, you never know what Spurs teams, I, I, I guess, 
it's like what we said, it's day to day, right? <laughs> I don't exactly know what um, the next day will bring. I think Harden and maybe even the Sixers. I mean, you said Daryl actually might want him to play hard for the entire year. That's the ideal scenario. I certainly, unless the Clippers up their offer, like I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah. No, I agree. Look, I don't think there's any real raise, any real reason for the Clippers to up their offer now when they're the only team bidding. I don't see another team getting into the sweepstakes until something changes and nothing really changes until games are played. And I don't see Daryl giving in until the Clippers feel like they have a little bit of pressure to get something done. And I just can't see it. Look, maybe one team just completely, and that's probably why Clippers are getting desperate. Like we said earlier, they don't want to really up their offer, but they want to find a way to make it more appealing for Daryl. So that's why they're trying to engage with other teams about pick swaps or, you know, flipping that one pick in two. But unless a team just completely overvalues that 2028 pick from the Clippers, there's really no avenue for anything to change significantly. And without it changing, I look, don't take this as reporting for sure. This is just speculation and, and guessing. Don't aggregate them. Do, do not aggregate me. I think that most likely is this goes on until December. I'll say December because that's when a, a significant trade restriction lifts. We'll see. All right. One more here from Ronald Albright, and then we will try to cut this one off. Uh, basically he says that we all know more wants a player that wants to either win now or that can help them win now or draft assets that can be turned into that. Um, but his question is basically who is available? What difference maker player is available? And the answer to that is none. I mean, maybe Brogdon, but like, there's no real reason they would ever want to do that. Portland. He's the only one you would think is on the market right now. And that's honestly not good news for the Sixers because one Portland's not interested in James Harden, but the Clippers might be interested in Brogdon. Now, again, it's good news right now that the ESPN report said that the Clippers prefer Harden, so maybe that alleviates that somewhat. But Brogdon being the only other significant name on the trade market right now is overall a bad thing. But to his, his point, like there's just teams do not want to make moves at this point. And that changes sometimes when you have someone like Dame and where teams feel like they have to get in on Dame. So that creates a trade market that otherwise wouldn't be there. And then you saw a, you know, Drew Holiday trade that was sort of like a follow-up to that. But without that, I mean, I think one of the big takeaways is that there's just not, like when someone like James Harden is on the market, you expect there to be a wide, like we always say that the team with a with a, a star has the leverage all the, almost always because they have the player that other teams want. Well, right now it doesn't look like other teams want James Harden. So you don't really, you can't create that leverage out of nowhere. And there's just not, there's just not an appetite for teams to make trades right now. Yeah. It's, I'd love to give you some optimism that this will be resolved and we can be a normal basketball team and talk about something other than James Harden. Cause trust me, I like, we talk about this team five hours a week. I would love to talk about something other than James Harden. I just don't think it's in the short term future. And again, I might be completely wrong. I might be reading these tea leaves wrong, uh, but I would be a little bit surprised. I'm just picturing Harden balling out for the first month and just angry press conferences after every game. <laughs> yeah. Calling Daryl Morey a liar after He's everyone. Like, yes, I had a triple-double tonight, but Daryl Morey is a liar. <laughs> right. I, I mean, that, look, I, I could talk myself into that. That would be fun. That would be fun. This is the way he should, we, we talked about this earlier, he should go scorched earth on Daryl and play hard to convince other teams to trade for him. Like, that's his, that's his path now. He was like, that was a great set play for the game winner that Nick Nurse drew up. Really enjoying playing for him. Get me the hell out of here. I hate Daryl Moore. <laughs> right, right. You should, you, maybe you should work for James Harden, be his speechwriter. 
I think he's okay. He's the, the thing with James is even when he's happy, it's just it's very monotone. Yeah. It, well, it's monotone. Then you got the beard, so you don't really see the facial expressions. So he's a heart. He looks like he's always like not. I don't even want to say pissed off. Always just kind of like aloof and just not very emotive. When it doesn't seem like that's actually the case, but because you know of the way he, he kind of has a little Bobby Abreu in the way he plays, and then he has a beard, and he doesn't really like to talk much, so you don't really get the personality that I'm sure is there, and that everyone he talked to says is there, and that the emotion is there. You don't really see that on the court. I'm just picturing it. Jo- Joel, unbelievable defensive game from him tonight. Love that guy. MVP. Get me the hell out of here. Yeah. I just wonder if some of that then comes like, does he start being a bad teammate? Because he has in the past. We've mentioned all the time that he is you know, close with, with the, his teammates now. But if he starts developing bad habits, does that then impact the locker room? That's when things could change. I almost think his habits have been so ingrained for such a long time that I'm not, I'm not sure they can get worse if, you know, he's aloof. Like, he's always been aloof. He's always like... Oh, no, I mean, like, taking plays off, like, oh. the completely always, unnecessary cross-court behind-the-back passes that he had in Portland, or in Houston, stuff like that. I I get that, but in fairness, he always takes plays off. It's James yeah, Harden. No, when he won the true. MVP, he took it's plays true. off. It's true. All right, I think, uh, I think that is... And Ronald bringing up OG, just a real quick, I think that's the one to watch. Like, I, there's so much going on in, in Toronto and so much uncertainty with the future of that franchise and so much. Seems like there might be a little bit of friction with OG. That's the one to watch. I just don't think we're there yet. That's one where maybe in December or January or February, that could be one of the players available. I don't think he is right now, though. We'll see. All right. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on. And we'll be sure to talk to you soon. And, of course, if you can, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the bell icon to get notifications. We go live five days a week. We'd love to have you live in the chat uh, to converse with you. But take care.